Hi, I'm Corey Litzenberger from CGLTax.ca, and this is Brainstorming Plus Tax. In this episode of Brainstorming Plus Tax, I'm actually going to divert a little bit away from the tax issues and talk about something that happened to me personally in the last little while. So on Wednesday, March 6, 2019, I was being the typical working dad. I had ducked out early from work so I could watch my 10-year-old daughter in her basketball game at school, wolf down a quick leftover supper with my wife and kids, and then off to indoor soccer practice with my 8-year-old son while my wife and daughter went grocery shopping. Now, truth be told, after five months of indoor soccer practices of 8-year-olds, you kind of get a little bored watching your child do running, passing, and shooting drills. I am guilty of this as well, and I've accepted the fact that I won't win Father of the Year. But when it wasn't my son's turn in the drills, I started to draft a small column on LinkedIn on my smartphone about how I interpret legislation at issue in regards to the SNC-Lavalin affair, how I thought SNC-Lavalin is not likely to qualify for a remediation agreement or deferred prosecution agreement, and how in my technical opinion the jobs argument makes no sense because the law specifically excludes the national economic interest perspective when an organization is charged the way SNC-Lavalin was charged by the RCMP in 2015. For those of you that haven't read the article, I'm going to get into it later in this podcast, but at first, let me talk a little bit about how this experience has been going. As I watched the news later that night and heard more commentary about Gerald Butt's testimony, I got a little annoyed with the job spin that seemed to be taking over the headlines when I had just finished reading how I didn't think it should be relevant in the law. So I wake up Thursday morning, and my small little commentary on LinkedIn had started to gain some traction from people that were not part of my usual suspects that everyone has in their social media network. As the morning progressed, I received contact from News Talk 770 in Calgary to schedule a live interview that afternoon and a message from Mr. News Talk himself, Charles Adler, to be a guest on his show as well. This was a lot to take in. I mean, I hadn't even finished my second morning coffee yet and I'm getting requests to talk about my remarks that I wrote to my social media network. Now, I'm just a prairie boy that calls Red Deer home. Sure, I'm a tax nerd and proud to call myself that, but this was the biggest national news story with one of the most well-known radio news talk personalities in Canada. This wasn't going to be like that time I won a gift card on the local radio station for being the ninth caller through. While my ego has obviously gotten much bigger than it already was, I felt more invigorated on March 8th when I looked to the news and find out that the Federal Court of Canada had agreed with me, although not knowingly, that the prosecutor has authority and that SNC-Lavalin would not be eligible for a judicial review in respects to remediation. I mean, I said they wouldn't qualify in my LinkedIn article on Wednesday, March 6th, and, and again on Thursday the 7th with both News Talk 770 in Calgary and Charles Adler tonight, and now on the 8th, the Federal Court of Canada has sided with the prosecution as I said they should. I think I'll see if my good fortunes continue and go buy a Lotto Max. So now let's get into the article. Now with all the political spin that had been happening over the past several weeks in regards to this affair or scandal or gate, whatever people want to call it, I decided to take a motion out of it and just take a look at the legislation. Now... Obviously, I'm not a lawyer, but those of you who know me and have listened to this before, you do know that I interpret tax legislation for a living and get sometimes quite into the technical, especially if you've listened to my tax on split income discussions. Now, I decided to take a look at 
a little closer at the criminal legislation pertaining to the SNC-Lavalin scandal. Now, keep in mind, although this legislation is in the Criminal Code of Canada, the provision itself is not so much a criminal nature as it is a civil one, in that it's not a beyond reasonable doubt test that you would see in normal criminal legislation, but more of a more likely than not test that you see in civil litigation in whether or not you can proceed with this type of settlement agreement. So I will talk about the relevant legislation as I do in my article, and but I'm going to also summarize it. I hope not to lose you during the legislation part. Please just fast forward 15, 20 seconds after you hear the facts at issue. One of the main facts, obviously, is that in 2015, SNC was charged by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the RCMP, under Section 3 of the Corruption of Foreign Public Officials Act. Now, this section says, under subsection 1 of this section, says every person commits an offence who, in order to obtain or retain an advantage in the course of business, directly or indirectly gives, offers, or agrees to give, or offer a loan, reward, advantage, or benefit of any kind to a foreign public official or to any person for the benefit of a foreign public official as consideration for an act or omission by the official in connection with the performance of the official's duties or functions, or to induce the official to use his or her position to influence any acts or decision of the foreign state or public international organization for which the official performs duties or functions. Basically, if you decide to give somebody some money or a gift or some sort of inducement that is in a position of power and that position is then used to benefit you, you've got a problem. So in 2015, the RCMP charged SNC-Lavalin, along with its international division, with corruption and fraud in relation to their business dealings in Libya. The RCMP said officials at the company had attempted to bribe several public officials in the country, including dictator Muammar Gaddafi, as well as other businesses in Libya. Now, the fact is that the prosecutor is allowed to enter into a mediation agreement under the new section 715.32 of the Criminal Code of Canada if all the conditions are met under 715.32 subsection 1. Now that subsection says the prosecutor may enter into negotiations for a remediation agreement with an organization alleged to have committed an offense if the following conditions are met. A. The prosecutor is of the opinion that there is a reasonable prospect of conviction with respect to the offense. B. The prosecutor is of the opinion that the act or omission that forms the basis of the offense did not cause and was not likely to have caused serious bodily harm or death or injury to national defense or national security and was not committed for the benefit of or at the direction of or in association with a criminal organization or terrorist group. C. The prosecutor is of the opinion that negotiating the agreement is in the public interest and appropriate in the circumstances and D, the Attorney General has consented to the negotiation of the agreement. Now, those last two provisions seem to be the one that are the crux of this issue. Now, when you look at it on the face of this provision, there are three areas that require the prosecutor to have an opinion regarding whether or not the facts will allow for a mediation agreement. And then even after they've come to the conclusion, after those three, the Attorney General has to consent to the negotiation. Now, people have been using that provision to say that 
the former attorney general had the final say or final decision as to whether or not to proceed. And that's actually not true the way it is worded in the legislation. You see, the attorney general is not a final step. The test, if you heard back, the test is in the word and, which means the attorney general could already have consented to a negotiation of the agreement. But if the prosecutor does not have those three conditions met, in their opinion, because it's the prosecutor is of the opinion that, if the prosecutor doesn't have that opinion, even if the attorney general had consented to the negotiation of the agreement, if the prosecutor doesn't have that opinion, then the whole rest of the argument is moot. They will not proceed further, and they cannot proceed further with a remediation agreement. So another fact is that the, in order for the prosecutor to evaluate their public interest opinion, they must consider subsection 715.32 bracket 2 in its entirety, which includes many relevant pieces of information, except when 715.32 bracket 3 overrides it. So let's look at this. So this is factors to consider. So under 715.32 subsection 2, for the purposes of paragraph 1C, the prosecutor must consider the following factors. So it goes on to list eight factors that are lettered A to H, and then includes the word and, which meaning it has to look at all of those factors, not one in any particular way. But the and test includes now paragraph I, which says any other factor that the prosecutor considers relevant. Not that the attorney general considers relevant, not that the Prime Minister's office considers relevant, or the Finance Office, or the Justice Department. It is what the prosecutor considers relevant. Even under that, 715.32 subsection 3 says, even with all those factors to consider, you cannot factor in the national economic interest. In other words, the jobs argument, if they were charged the way the RCMP had charged them. It says, despite paragraph 2i, if the organization is alleged to have committed an offense under Section 3 or 4 of the Corruption of Foreign Public Officials Act that I mentioned earlier, the prosecutor must not consider the national economic interest, the potential effect on relations with a state other than Canada, or the identity of the organization or individual involved. Now, I had another non-lawyer try to argue with me and say that they're talking about the national economic interest of another country. And yet, that's not how it's worded or punctuated. Let me read this again. If you're charged under an offense under Section 3 or 4 of the Corruption of Foreign Public Officials Act, the prosecutor must not consider the national economic interest, comma, the potential effect on relations with a state other than Canada or the identity of the organization or individual involved. If you are a legislative nerd like myself, you would have known that in order to be considered a national economic interest of another country, it should have been worded, the prosecutor must not consider the national economic interest, comma, or the potential effect on relations, comma, with a state other than Canada or the identity of the organization or individual involved. Because they're missing that or, and because they're missing that comma after relations, the national economic interest does not modify the term state other than Canada. Therefore, national economic interest must refer to Canadian national economic interest. Now, while I was being interviewed on the afternoon of March 7th, I, I looked closer at the legislation and caught something while I was reading it. And you have to remember that I'm responding to 
situations where everybody's saying the attorney general had the final say and that the choice was, the, the decision was hers and hers alone. That is not true. To put this another way, the law is written so that it is not solely the decision of the attorney general, nor the prosecutor. Rather, it requires both the attorney general and the prosecutor to agree in order to proceed with the negotiations. This is similar to a scene in the movies where you see nuclear codes kept between two different military heads before proceeding with the launch. Uh, that's kind of how this provision is worded. So this means that the attorney general does not have the final decision, and so any suggestion that she does is incorrect. The decision is a joint one, with most of the legwork having to be done by the prosecutor, not the attorney general. So let me recap. I, I think it's quite simple that a remediation agreement cannot be considered under the national economic interest, or jobs argument, because the RCMP charged SNC-Lavalin under the Corruption of Foreign Public Officials Act. We've heard testimony that in September 2018, the Attorney General and or the Prosecutor stated and came to the decision that a remediation agreement was not available in this case, to which I agree. Now imagine, if you will, for the next four months, or a portion thereof, you have the Attorney General being asked to revisit a decision that has been made in which both her and the prosecutor have to be on the same page if they were to proceed, and asking her to change or to revisit, even if she does, the prosecutor could still stick to their rule, which means nothing would change. So let's think about this for a second. You're the Attorney General, and in mid-September, you meet with the prosecutor of this case. Now, one of you is all that's required to say no. Only one of the two has to say no. I do not think they qualify for a remediation agreement or deferred prosecution agreement, as has been said in the news. So it doesn't matter if it was the attorney general. The prosecutor could still say no. So you make your decision along with the prosecutor. You understand that both have to be in agreement in order to proceed. And for one reason or another, whether it is both of you saying no or only one of you saying no, the answer is the same. No. Now imagine that this simple conclusion that was reached in September, you now show up for meetings and phone calls in caucus, in cabinet meetings, and you are constantly reminded 20 times over the next four-month period to revisit the provision and come to a different conclusion. To put that in perspective, people are saying, oh, 20 times, you know, 10 by the phone, 10 in person, over roughly less than four months. That's minuscule over that long period of time. But ask yourself this, if someone you know or in the workplace or in your home or someone that has asked you out and you've said no, and they say it 20 more times to you in less than 20 weeks. That's the same as having someone show up every Wednesday at the same time and saying, can you look at it again? Have you changed your mind? What about now? Ask yourself what that would feel like, that you've made a decision or that you and your colleague have made a decision or that you and your colleague disagree. However, you both have to agree in order to change that decision. And you are continually being asked, what about now? How about now? Are you ready yet? Do you want to change it now? How about now? Why don't you change it? Take another look at it. I think you should revisit it. Are you sure? Maybe double check. 
if that's starting to annoy you, that was only 10. Imagine 20. Have that repeatedly happening. That's another part of the story. Now, let's get back to the facts. So since I think this economic argument does not hold any water in the legislation, what other argument is there? Now, we heard in testimony that the parties involved may have wanted the Attorney General to look at it from a stance that does not imply economic interest. Ironically, the term, we need to win an election, may actually be legal. Because if you remember, the provision says, any other factor that the prosecutor considers relevant. But then we would have to assume that the prosecutor would have to be partisan. That prosecutor would have to consider it relevant that the party in power needs to win an election. And that is not likely, in my experience, in dealing with professionals. So now that we know that there has to be an agreement between the prosecutor and the attorney general in order to proceed with a remediation agreement, there are four possibilities. There are four outcomes between the attorney general and the prosecutor, and only one of those four would lead to a remediation agreement. If they both say no, if attorney general says no, or if the prosecutor says no, that's three ways that this remediation agreement will not proceed. Only one that could proceed is if they are both in agreement. So they're not in agreement. Even if they were, I would say to you that the economic interest cannot be the reason based on the provision that is in play. So if it's not the economic interest, why would the Attorney General be asked repeatedly for reconsideration unless it was not economic interest in the first place that they really wanted her to consider? So in conclusion, I say that the jobs argument is irrelevant under the law in these circumstances. The prosecutor knew this. The former attorney general knows this. And based on the provisions as written, the jobs argument for SNC-Lavalin does not meet the legal requirement for a remediation agreement. And to top it off, on Friday, March 8th, 2019, a federal court of Canada sided with the prosecutor in that there could not be a judicial review of an opinion of the prosecutor to override the opinion of the prosecutor that they would be qualifying for remediation unless they show some sort of malice or bias by the prosecutor, which has not happened. I want to thank you for listening to this special podcast that was a little away from what we normally do, as I felt that this was something that on a national level we really all needed to consider. Now, if you're looking for the actual article, you can find it on LinkedIn if you look for me. So that is Corey, C-O-R-Y, Litzenberger, L-I-T-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R. And I'm on LinkedIn, and I have all my articles public. You can also find the link at our Twitter feed, CGLTax. If you look up Just the Facts, ma'am, and Charles Adler, you'll find the podcast of Charles Adler Tonight in which we talk about this very article. Thank you for listening to this long podcast as we try to shed some light and cut through the emotions that are in play in what has become a very, very heated issue in an election year. And with that, for CGL Strategic Business and Tax Advisors, I'm Corey Litzenberger. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.